0: How are we doing, New Vintage Church? Hey, I am so excited to be here this morning. I'm so excited uh, about what God is doing and what God is going to do. Uh, and and I, I'm going to introduce my wife. I think she's grabbing a table here real, real fast. But uh, some of you have met her, some of you haven't. But I want to give you a little backstory. Uh, I met Sarah Lynn at Abilene Christian University. Uh, We had both transferred the same semester, and uh, I just met this girl who I thought was amazing from the start. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, And I didn't really know who she was or what she was about, I just knew uh, that she was amazing. I just knew that I was so thankful to be around her, and I knew I wanted to get to know her better. And so uh, we started hanging out, and we started doing ministry together. And I remember one day she said, hey, do you want to go study with me? And I'm like, yeah, I want to spend any time I possibly can with you. And so we went to the music room, and I was like, what are we doing here? Uh, Because I didn't even know she, she played or that she sang or that she did any of that. She sits down at a harpsichord and plays a Bach piece a Bach piece, and my my jaw just hits the floor. I'm like, who are you? Uh, And so that started just a cool relationship, and and like I said, so we started doing ministry together before we even uh, got together before we got married, and so it's been over 20 years, and so I said, hey, as we start this vision about who we are as a church, we're a team, we're a partnership, and we believe that God does incredible things uh, through the representation of marriage and through our lives, and so uh, we're super stoked about that. We're excited about this new season here. We're excited about what we believe that God is going to do at this relaunch, because really, it is a new, new vintage church, all right? It is a new vintage. It is a new season. Guys, the, the old is gone, and the new has come, and you don't put New wine and old wineskins. You put new wine and new wineskins in our prayer. And what we're asking God to do is to powerfully move in Escondido and the surrounding areas that people would come to know him. And guys, that is something we are excited about.
1: Amen. It is so, so good to be here today. Real quick, it is just shout out to our friends that made the drive from Santa Clarita and see me and Glendale um, we're just so grateful for, yeah, for our friends that are here, um, this is not my comfort zone, so, um, if you've heard me speak before I say it, I'm going to say it again, though. I'm not from California, if you can't tell, and so my accent comes out sometimes when I get nervous or excited, so if it happens today, just tell me to slow down, but born in North Carolina, raised in Virginia, and uh, been on the West Coast for 22 years, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Anyways, so... We have been thinking a lot about the past. I'm a mom, and I love looking back. <laughs> the past, our family, our kids are have launched. They're in college, and so they're still, we're still supporting. Let's be real, but they're doing their they're adults doing their thing. And so, um, the past few months, as well, let's go back to the summer, we knew that God was moving us. We didn't know where God was moving us, but we knew that He was moving us. And so, um, we had our kids go through all their things before they went to college in August which was kind of crazy. Um, we went through a ton of stuff. Like, do I really need to keep those toys that they played with when they were little? This random kitchen utensil gadget thing. Do I really want to cart it you know, down the freeway wherever we're moving? Um, all these things. There was a lot of trash bags. There was a lot of um, uh, thrift store runs. And taking a moment to celebrate, be present, and then move forward. I think it's important that we do that in different seasons of our lives because we do have some sweet times that I look back on. I'm so grateful. I'm, so, I'm an emotional person. I, I, I cry a lot. Um, and so I'm, I was driving back from here last week and I, a Coldplay song came on the radio and I just started crying because the kids and I used to listen to it and I'm like, oh, this sweet, sweet season. But I don't want to go back there. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go back to when they were toddlers running around. I don't want to go back to when I was changing diapers. I want to move forward, and yet there's a sweet, tender spot. And so I've just found, whether you're a parent or not, I have no idea. I can't relate to you, Sarah Lynn, at all. We've all had a friend move away. On a really deeper level, we've all lost someone that we love, mm-hmm. right? There's a sense of loss. Sometimes there's a sense of grieving that we have to walk through. And it's good to look back and see God's faithfulness, but we can't get stuck. You with me? Yeah. We can't get stuck. Life was meant to be lived moving forward.
0: Yeah. And it is easy to get stuck, isn't it? It's so easy to get stuck. And I was thinking about all the different ways just throughout my life, through things I've seen, through things I've experienced, uh, when people get stuck. And we know this, right? We know this. I was thinking about when I was a kid, I was probably about 12 years old, and I went over to my grandmother's house, and she made me banana pudding. And guys, let me tell you, uh, I am from the South. It was incredible. I mean, it was amazing banana pudding, and I couldn't stop raving about it. I'm like, grandmother, this is the best thing ever. I love it so much. It's so good. Thank you so much. Can I have a second helping? And, you know, I don't know how many helpings I had, but I had a lot of banana pudding. And I made an impact. I made so much of an impact that every time I went over to my grandmother's house from then on, what did I have? Banana pudding. I mean, not for a month, not for like a couple weeks, for years and years, even when I went away to college and when we moved to Oregon, when I would come back to Texas, I had banana pudding. And I I tried to say like, hey, grandmother, like your banana pudding's great, but I could like try something different. I, I, I tried to like gently nudge her and let her know that there were new things and that I didn't have to stay just eating banana pudding the rest of my life. Uh, there was enough time for that when I entered the home here in a couple years. But like she was stuck and, and we get stuck and she was trying to be kind, but after a while it didn't feel like kindness because she was stuck and she didn't even know it.
1: I know I drive our kids crazy. I'll- our plumb old videos and watch them dancing when they were in elementary school, and they're like, please stop. Don't post that. Don't share that. That is the past. Don't stay there. Oftentimes, also, you may like to live the glory days, right? Any football players from high school? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's cool. But, like, if you're 30, 40, like, those are the glory days, right? Um, Best dress, most likely to see. That's great, but let's move on. What are you doing now? Who are the people in your life now? Where are you going now? We had a friend, True Story. Her... (laughs) She dated a a now very famous country movie star when she was in high school, and she didn't marry him, and her dad likes to remind her that she dated that country movie star that she didn't marry, which is a little awkward at family gatherings. Her dad got stuck. Her,
0: Her dad was super stuck, and if I told you this guy's name, every single one of you would know it. He is that incredibly famous, but he was stuck, and so I started thinking, what happens when we get stuck? What, what happens when we get stuck, right? The first thing that happens is we, we tend to look back, right? We tend to look back. We, we look back because we're like, hey, remember how good that was? When I was in college, uh, I began riding my bike all the time. I averaged several hundred miles a week riding my mo- mountain bike through Abilene, Texas. It's pretty flat, so it was pretty easy. Uh, but, but I loved it. And so uh, at one point, uh, I kind of became known for having some accidents. Um, I would be riding really fast, and I would think I could do something, and I wouldn't quite make it. And, and so one day I was sitting talking to her uncle who worked at the college, and I said, you know, because we're talking about how many good times we had in college. I mean, I had a great, incredible college experience and incredible friends. And I said, you know, one of the da- these days, we're going to look back on this, and we're going to run into a parked car, right? One of these days, we're going to look back on all of this, and we're going to run into a parked car. And we kind of laughed about it it, because we thought it was funny. But then later, I thought about how true it really was. Because when we get stuck, we tend to look back. And when we look back, it is hard to move forward. In fact, to have a clear vision forward, we have to look forward. We have to look forward, right? And maybe you've heard the saying that there's a reason that the rearview mirror is so small and that the windshield is so large. Is because we have to move forward. We can't get stuck looking back. The second thing is, uh, when we get stuck, our vision's clouded. How many of you remember or, or have experienced yourself someone talking about how good the good old days were? Remember how amazing it was? Remember all the great times we had and nothing was ever hard? I had a friend uh, that always wanted to get married, and he was always just whining and moaning about how badly he wanted to get married. It might have been me, might not. I don't know. No, no promises. It wasn't me. But Better not. <laughs> it wasn't, because she knows the second next part. Uh, then he got married, and he started complaining all of a sudden, like he had all these obligations to his new spouse. And he was like, man, I, it was so much easier when I was single. Things were so much like I could just do whatever I want, whenever I want, spend my money however I want. And I was, started laughing because I was like, things were not better. You were constantly crying about how you wanted to get together with someone and get married. See, we can get cloudy vision finally when we get stuck. Moving forward's hard, right? If you've ever been stuck in a vehicle out on a dirt road and you get stuck, moving forward is hard. Many times you have to kind of move back and move forward to to get out of the rut you're in. And sometimes moving backwards seems like it's easier because you have clear defined ruts that you've created over years. Moving forward means going into a new path. Uh, I love what in Philippians Paul says. He talks about when he comes to Christ and he knows uh, the joy of the salvation by grace, he says, I forget what's behind. I I love this language. I forget what's behind. I consider it rubbish that I may know Christ being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith. I forget what's uh, behind and I strain towards what's ahead. Paul, right here, is saying, I am moving forward. I'm not going to get stuck in the past. I'm moving towards what God is calling me to. I put one foot in front of the other, even though it might be hard, it's what I must do to move forward.
1: So, we're going to jump into the story of Joshua today. We're going to be a little bit in the book of Numbers, Exodus, and then Joshua. And uh, we find Joshua in the Old Testament, first in the book of Numbers. And he is called by Moses to be one of the 12 spies that's looking, it's going and spying on the promised land. So a little backstory, if you're familiar with uh, the Israelites, they were the, the people of God. This happened about the 13th century BC, and the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. They lived there for 430 years. They weren't slaves the whole time because at first they went there for food, and Joseph was second in command, and so they were safe. But then after Joseph's death, they became slaves. They were taken advantage of. They were Abused. So Moses is called by God. He leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And they are carrying like their houses on their backs, their food. I mean, they are are wandering. They are nomads. And so God had said, I'm gonna lead you into the promised land. So this is where we meet Joshua and Caleb. So they're with 12 spies that go into the promised land. Ten of the spies come back, and they are overwhelmed. They're like, these guys are giants. They're, we're grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way that we can go in and take over this land. Um, and so, because of these 10 spies, the people started to freak out. They started to complain. We can't do this. Take us back to Egypt. Take us back to slavery. We need a new leader. Now, they had just been, again, led out of that horrible situation. But Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two spies that saw The good. Mm. They saw the battle. They were keeping it very real. They knew what they were up against, but they saw God in it. They knew that God was bigger than whatever they were going to face. So in the book of Numbers chapter 14, it says, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour it. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb saw God's power. Now, how often do you and I see the bad, the difficult, the hard, and we don't wanna move forward? I see that mountain, but I don't wanna walk up it. But I'm kinda of weird, I like mountains. I like the strength that you get when you climb. We, we just moved to a new house here in Escondido, and um, I hadn't explored the neighborhood until yesterday, and right behind our house, there are these roads that are hilly, and man, my quads were burning. But I loved it, because it's gonna make me stronger. It's gonna give me stamina. If I just stay at home, I'm gonna get floppy, you know. It's gonna make me strong. Mountains are good and we have to climb them to see the views. Man, the views, the sunset from our front porch is absolutely beautiful. But I gotta climb up that driveway to get to well, I drive up, but I'm gonna be real, I don't walk up it very often. But um but muscles are good. They make us strong. Even though <laughs> these Israelites, it wasn't easy. I I mean I can only imagine they're setting up tent in a desert. They're eating the same food day after day. There's kids. They're tired. They're hungry. And so it sounded good to go back to what they knew, even though it was dysfunctional, even though it was unhealthy, even though it was abusive. I'm going to take a left-hand turn for just a second here. If you're a volunteer at this church, first, thank you so much for serving people. Thank you for making this space the church that it is. And if you've ever been to one of our 915 Sunday morning gatherings that Matt leads and that Riley leads us in worship as we take communion, you've heard Matt say, what?
0: We set the temp. We set the temp.
1: All right. (laughs) Our attitudes. That's right. Y'all are setting the temp. I love it. Our attitudes, the way that we welcome people, our facial expressions, y'all. People can see your face. You know that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Our body language, our warmth towards people. We have the opportunity to set the temperature in every space we walk into. That and Justin, who runs um, the audio, he said he can change the temp too, so be good to Justin. <laughs> but being a thermostat leader means you set the tone, the mindset, the temperature of your team or of yeah. your environment. Y'all, I can change the atmosphere of a house in a second. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know the little thing, the little jabs you can say. Mm-hmm. to your spouse, to your sibling, to your roommate, the eye rolls, the comments. Numbers 14 says that the people raised their voices and wept and grumbled against Moses and his brother Aaron, their leaders. And they said to each other, choose another leader. We want to go back to Egypt. The New Testament in the book of Galatians says that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. know, a little complaining, a little pride, a little gossip. It can work through a whole church through a community. Mm. It's like dropping food coloring into a glass of water. The water is no longer colorless. It takes on the color of the dye dropped into it. So, the people did not go and take the promised land that God had commanded them to go into because of these ten spies who came back scared. They listened to them. They didn't want to fight the challenge even though they knew God was with them. So, they wandered in the desert, y'all, for 40 years. Another 40 years in, in this desert place. And suddenly, after the death of Moses and this long season of his leadership over the Israelites, Joshua is now in charge. And God gives him a very bold call. Can
0: you imagine taking over after Moses? Oh, my goodness. I mean, like, Moses is the goat. Moses is the man, uh, for, for those of us... Who don't know the terminology goat means greatest of all time. Like Moses is the goat. Like he is the guy who led them out of slavery. He is the guy who, you know, obeyed the commands of God and the plagues happened. He's the guy who led them with a cloud by day and a fire by night. He walked with God in Exodus thirty-three eleven. It says that the Lord would speak face to face with Moses as a man speaks to a friend, Moses. And here is Joshua, our spy. Now, Joshua was no slouch. He trusted in God. I love what Sarah Lynn said earlier, that, that the other people that went out and uh, uh, you know, surveyed the land, they saw the battle, but the two saw God. They saw God in it. They knew the calling that God had for them. I can't imagine, though, what it must have felt like to take over after Moses. It says, but Joshua trusted God. But Joshua trusted God. And I don't want you to miss that because that is the linchpin by which Joshua had success. He trusted in the leading and provision of God. That, that God was leading Joshua and he knew that he had the privilege and the responsibility of setting the temp, that, that he was listening to God and as he was being directed by him. In fact, in Joshua 1, 2, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, here's what I want you to know. When it's time to go into a new land, and some of you have heard me say this before, but this crossing of the Jordan River wasn't just a group of people crossing a river. It was very symbolic. It was very symbolic of a new season of stepping into the promised land and stepping into Joshua's leadership into continuing to trust in God, but it was a new season. And the people were nervous, right? We hear about that. Sarah Lynn talked about how they were grumbling. I mean, can you imagine that you're out in the desert, you're free from slavery. In fact, when it talks about the slavery that they experienced under Pharaoh, it said that it was a burden, that that they were harsh to them. And yet here they are, because they're in the wilderness, because they're stuck, they begin looking back. Their vision gets clouded and they can't move forward. So God tells Joshua this. He says in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And what I love is in in the next uh, a couple of scriptures, we find over and over again, God admonishing Joshua and admonishing the Israelites, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Trust in me. Trust in my leading. I love this. They had a new leader, and God says, I will be with you. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you feel that way right now. Who's this new guy, right? How's this going to go? The jury's to be still out. And to be honest, Matt, I'm a bit nervous. Here's what I have to say. Nervous is okay. Nervous is okay. But I believe that stuck is not okay. I am committed. If you know me, like I will not stay stuck. I might get stuck every once in a while, but I want to move out of it because I want to believe and follow the leading of our Lord. I love how Max Lucado says this in his book, Fearless. He says, When fear shapes our lives, safety becomes our God. When fear shapes our lives, safety becomes our God. When safety becomes our God, we worship the risk-free life. Can the safety lover do anything great? Can the risk-averse accomplish noble deeds for God, for others? No. The fear-filled life cannot love deeply. Love is risky. They cannot give to the poor. Benevolence has no guarantee of return. The fear-filled cannot dream wildly. What if their dreams sputter and fall from the sky? The worship of safety emasculates greatness. No wonder Jesus wages a war against fear. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? We are called to be strong and courageous. Does God say that it's going to be easy? No. Does God say nothing hard or nothing bad will ever happen? No. And for some of you, you've believed this myth that when I become a Christian, everything will be easy. Nothing will be hard. Everything will be roses. That's just not the truth. What God says is be strong and courageous and that I will be with you. That's a promise. And that's a promise that they can trust in and a promise that they can get Behind, See, here's what I believe, New Vintage Church, it's our time to be strong and courageous. It is our time to be strong and courageous. It is our time in this community to be and walk hand in hand with other believers that are pointing to Jesus and to set the temp. I've been talking to our staff and volunteers about this, that we have the opportunity to show Jesus' love in this community. And guys, what an incredible place to do it, right here in the heart of Escondido, with tons of history and tons of history to be made. All of this has me thinking about our church, because I believe that we are on a mission, that that we are the light of the world, that we get to reflect God's light in us, and I love this place. I love this team in a short time, uh, just getting to know people and getting to know people better. It is so encouraging. For those who are generous and selfless, to, to DJ and Stacy, to Tim and Emily, the staff team, the board. Guys, this board has done some incredible things for this church. Yeah. This staff has done some incredible things for the church. The volunteers, you have done some incredible things for this church. We are called to be the light of the world to reflect his goodness. And the thing is, it's not about a single person. It never will be. It's about Jesus. And I'm honored to step in with Sarah Lynn to, to lead and help people stay focused on him. To call people to find and follow Jesus. To help to people grow in their faith. To help people know grace. That's found in Christ. So, I have a heart that boldly says, "Let's be strong, let's be courageous, and do not be afraid." Yeah.
1: When Matt and I visited this past summer, we were just struck by this welcoming, beautiful, such a cool space. We loved that it was a theater, especially since we have two kids that are artists. We loved that they're at a coffee shop. I took way too much coffee. <laughs> the rooftop patio, a place that could serve the community. I love that it's a place that we can get people in the doors during the week at shows and events with the goal of getting them back on a weekend service to hear the good news of Jesus. A goal of, you know, it's Christmas time and they're like, hey, I think there's a church that meets in the Ritz Theater. Let's go check it out. The goal of pointing people to Jesus and sharing his gospel, his saving grace, his love, creating a a place of belonging and we spent after we first visited the next few weeks and months praying about our next move and our next ministry assignment. And NBC just kept NBC kept coming up in our prayers. I was I remember where I was at a real life church in a worship service, just singing and worshiping. And I came back; my heart came back to this place, and I started praying for you and for this community. I couldn't shake it. And NBC is a light. NBC is a place to get together and learn about God. It's a great place to get a cup of coffee. It's a hub in our community. This is a church where marriages have been restored and will be restored. Mm -hmm. It's a church where students have found direction and belonging, and they will continue to find direction and belonging. You guys have crushed this. Mm -hmm. You guys have crushed this. We are so excited to be stepping into this. People finding healing for their destructive hurts and habits, people that you guys have sent out to start churches and to work with churches. In this place, we know it's not been easy, right? But you guys have done it. And the good news is, God is not finished. No. In fact, we believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that with all my heart as we continue to move forward with the Lord. It doesn't take away from what God has done and what we celebrate. Mm -hmm. But the last thing that the Israelites or that we need to do is get stuck. To look back, to have clouded vision, and to never move forward. So how do we do this? How do we shine brightly in Escondido and step into this next season believing that the best is yet to come? We're just going to share a couple of really practical Not rocket science things. You've heard them before. But you know what? It's Good to hear them again because they work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like Sarah Lynn said, uh, this isn't rocket science. You're not going to be like, oh, I've never thought of this before. But here's what we want to call the church to. That that we are not passive people who sit in seats and just experience. But we are co-workers, co-laborers with God. And so, in order for the best to be yet to come, we have to do a couple things. First, to serve. I'm going to encourage you. If you call this place home, if you say, hey, I identify with New Vintage Church. I love this place. I love what they're doing. We want you to get here. We want you to set up, be on the setup team, the teardown team. Maybe you have musical gifts and you want to be in the band. You can serve in student and children's ministries and adult ministries. As we move into this next season, we're working on developing clear pipelines and structures so that it's going to be easy and fun to serve here at NVC. Because we believe that anywhere where we serve, that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that we can have a blast doing it, that we are the church together, that we shine brightly. It's going to take time, but it's where we're headed. We believe that God is in it. And we're excited about what God's going to do when we serve.
1: And we need each other. The Bible talks about the church being a body. You can't just decide you don't need your toes, right? You can't just decide you don't need your arm. Like we need to serve together. The church is a family. It's a community. And I want to encourage you and challenge you, and I'm saying this to myself as well. Don't wait for community groups or small groups to be launched by the church. You can start creating the community that you want today. Invite someone here to grab a meal with you. There's a coffee shop for crying Out Loud literally in the building. Invite someone to have coffee with you. We are spiritually shaped and formed by our relationships with each other. If you're a follower of Jesus, spend time with other followers of Jesus to learn and grow. Y'all, I'm an introvert, believe it or not, and so I need a lot of alone time, and I can get really overwhelmed <laughs> Getting our house ready for people to come over and get anxious. But I'm like 97% of the time always glad I did. There's always that 3%, let's be real, when you're like, ooh, I'm a little tired. But 97% is pretty good. Invite someone over. They're not looking at your cobwebs, they're just excited to be sitting in your home spending time with you. Build the community that you want. Benjamin Franklin is credited as saying this, I just read this this week, it's so good. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. We can all make excuses, Well, that's not how I would do it at church. I can't believe it are not. Build the community you want. Now here's the thing, we're not called to just be a holy huddle. Mm-hmm. We need relationships in this space, but we also need relationships outside of this space. Who is someone that you can invite? the church? Who is someone that you can build a relationship with who doesn't know the saving love of Jesus? Be praying about that. I know I'm new to Escondido so I don't know a lot of people outside of church here yet, but I'm excited. I'm excited to to plug into community things and get to know people and not just stay to myself. Y'all with me? We have to be thinking outside of these walls.
0: So, we're going to ask that you serve. We're going to ask that you invite And this is the fun one. We're going to ask that you give. Now, I know, right? It's like, oh, here we go. I was just waiting for it. They always talk about money. But I'm going to ask that you give. I'm going to talk about it because it's important. Uh, We don't go to a store, the gym, a movie, and just walk right past the counter and say, hey, thanks so much. Great time. We'll see you later. No, in fact, even more important in the church that we have a mandate to give. Now, I'm going to pull out, this is my phone, but it's also my wallet. And and the truth is, we hold these things really close, right? We hold our finances close. For many of us, we hold our phones really close. But we're called to be generous because God knows that you can't serve both God and money. God knows that, it, that it's easy to withhold our resources to ourselves. But listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. That if we are generous in the way that we give, you guys know we've talked about this. We're trying to straight some finances out. We're trying to get in a great place. If this church becomes a generous church, maybe you've heard the stats before that 20% of the people give 80% of the resources. Imagine what we could do if it was 50%. Imagine what we could do if it was 75%. Imagine what we could do if we became a generous church that was willing to get uncomfortable and use our resources to shine Christ's love. Don't just tip God. Be generous to God. Give first. And here's what I found in my life because uh, I didn't grow up always in church and this idea of tithing was really difficult. This idea of I'm going to give 10% of what I make to the church was really hard for me. But I'm going to tell you time and time again, when my wife twists my wrists and is like, no, we're giving, I've seen the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. That he provides beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. In fact, many of you guys know, some of you don't, but I want you to know either way that the Bible says Test me in this. Test me in this. And see if I... They're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're done. (laughs) See if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. So let's be a generous church.
1: That's funny. And finally, pray. I wish it was the first thing that I went to, but I'm going to be real. It often isn't. And yet... That is where the power is. That is when my attention and my awareness is focused on God. All the other things pass away. I know what direction I'm headed in. I can start seeing and being aware of His goodness in my life. So I'm going to ask you, every person in this space, pray for New Vintage okay. Church. If you've been praying, keep praying. I know yeah. people that have been, been praying, keep praying. Pray for Matt, pray for me, pray for Riley, pray for DJ. Pray for Scotty. Pray for Ricky. Pray for the board, the three marks. That's pretty easy. Mark, mark, and mark. (laughs) Pray for each other. Pray for Escondido. Pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. Not ours. Not God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done right here in Escondido. Pray for people far from God to come near to God. Pray for wisdom and guidance as we together head into this next season as a church.
0: So I I ask and I I talk to you guys about like, we are the church and I love it when you're involved and in the mornings, I'm like, how are we doing NBC? (laughs) Here's a question. Are you ready? Are you ready church? Uh, are, Are you ready? Let's be a strong and courageous church. Let's set the temp, let's serve, let's invite, let's give, let's be people who are on our knees praying for our community. Let's be the church and create a new, new vintage church that the world cannot deny that they trust in God, that they reflect God's goodness, that we together can shine brightly an Escondido, a community of those who have known and received grace and can't help but overflow it, that can't help but respond to it in the way we live and the way we serve, because we believe that the best is yet to come. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you have called each of us, that we receive your grace, not by work, so that none of us can boast, but it is the gift of God. God, I pray that you would help us to be a church that is like a city on a hill and that we shine and reflect your might see and praise our Father in heaven. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it in heaven. And God, thank you for this church. Help us to be faithful as we seek to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.